This morning, we uh, were actually in Ephesians 6, and I'll just read it. It's 610. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the might of his strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We can stop right there. And <clears throat> this study, I was going to go into demons today. But I go, well, I got this close. I might as well pick up the holy angels while we're at it. It's one of those studies I've been kind of promising folks that have been wanting to do a study on it. I mean, this goes way back to our Saturday morning breakfast with Beth when she was she wanted to do the angel thing. And we just never got around to it. So I figure, well, if nothing else, this one's in her memory. <laughs> so I figured, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start with the holy angels, elect angels. We'll see some of the names for them. Now, you see all these verses that are on this sheet. Um, I have, there's no way in the world we're going to get to every one of them. But I wanted you to have them to take home anyway. And uh, uh, so I'm going to do angels this week. And then the Sunday after Easter, I'll come in and we'll do something on Satan and his demons, which can be a real cheery topic, and then we'll just move from there right into the armor of God, okay? So I figure it's, um, if we're going to talk about standing firm against the enemy, it's good to know a little bit about your enemy. So, but I want to just start here with the, because we're going to have a couple of weeks break, you know. Um, next week, Barbara and I will be out of town. Um, and Darren's going to be filling in, and he's going to give you a, an entire century of church history, which is actually a, a good way to, if you've never studied it, it's a good way to get it, because, you know, you're not like, well, in 648, so-and-so did this, but then in 682, this other guy, it's like a nice flyover, and you get a good handle on what's going on and what, what heresies popped up. What uh, And that's where we get our theology. Heresies pop up, and the church gets together and, to combat that heresy, and theology is established. And theology is not a dirty word, I might add. There's more than four letters in it. Okay. Angels. We'll start. Definition. Angels are <clears throat> created spirit beings, having moral judgment, high intellect, high intelligence, <clears throat> and great power. They are different from both God and mankind. The words translated angel in both the Hebrew and the Greek literally mean messenger. Okay? Messenger. Now, <clears throat> the creation of angels. This one, there's a little bit of debate on it. I'll show you where I'm coming from here. Again, this is, again, one of those topics. When were the angels created? Um, it's not one of those things, if there's a difference of opinion, we don't need to start a new denomination over it, okay? We just take it for what it is. We know that God created all things. Exodus, and another challenge this morning is, I forgot my uh, little clock. Now, creation. Let's look at Exodus 20.11. Actually, I'll just tell you, create, Exodus 20.11 basically says, in six days God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Okay, so we don't need to, we can save that one. And that we know that God created all the angels at the same time. Now, this would include 
those that would in the future, you know, would beyond the creation day fall away, okay? So this is all the angels, including uh, those that are now called demons. Psalm 148. Another challenge is I've got a new Bible I'm using this morning, so I'm going to be slow. Forty-seven. I'm getting right on it. Come on, come on. One more. There we go. Psalm 148, verses one through five. Also, too, I grabbed this one because I've got the Bible reading this morning, and I wanted to. This is the Legacy Standard Bible, and so I just it it lends itself to the reading this morning in in, in church. I said, well, I'm just I was going to bring two of them, but I picked it up, but I'm getting old. They were heavy, so I'll just take the one. We'll just I'm going to flip by faith in the pages. So, 148, 1-5, they have already. Okay. And you'll, re- you'll hear some differences in the translations right here. 148, verse 1. Praise Yah. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His, all his angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all stars of light. Praise him, heaven of heaven, heavens of heavens, and the waters that are above the, the heavens. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for he commanded, and they were created. And then we move forward to, uh, or actually move back to uh, Nehemiah 9.6. If you get there, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, back up from Job, maybe, if you're in Psalms, it's... If you've never haven't been there in a while, okay. Nehemiah nine six says, "You alone are Yahweh." Now, years probably says, "You alone are the Lord." Okay, and, it's, and it should be in all caps the the word Lord there. Okay, you alone are Yahweh. You have made the heavens, the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, and the seas and all that is in them. You give life to them, you give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down to you. Again, the heavenly host bows down to you. And here's one of those things, host is used in a couple of different ways. It often refers to the angels. But sometimes it refers to like all the stars and the planets that are out there too. And sometimes it refers to the whole bunch of them, <laughs> okay? And sometimes it's kind of difficult to, uh, to see because it does, there are certain psalms that call upon the earth itself to praise God, okay? And the stars, the sun, and the moon that don't have life, per se, to praise God. And that's just poetic language, you know, uh, describing that, quite frankly, everything under heaven and the earth should in fact praise God because he's worthy of it. And that's the whole point, you know, that all, all of creation praise God. As a matter of fact, that's the point of Romans 118 and 19 where, you know, you look at creation, one should understand just from looking at creation, there is a God. Okay, it's that same, same idea. Okay. Now... <clears throat> We, we've read, uh, it says, now the angels were most likely created on day one. That's 
my opinion based upon my study, okay? There's, you will not find a verse that says on day such and such the angels were created. And we, we need to look at a couple of passages here, starting with Job. If you're in Nehemiah, you kind of move back forward a little bit, you'll bump into Job. Job 38. Job's one of those pretty big books. Verses uh, 4 through 7. Now this one, you got to feel a little, little sorry for Job on here. Um, poor old Job was getting chewed out by the Lord. And when the Lord gets to chew, and you're going to get bit. <laughs> and you're going you're gonna to feel it. And um, the Lord made a, or the Lord, Job made a big mistake. He questioned what God was doing. And now God is replying to him being questioned by Job. Then Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind. He just didn't, I mean, out of a whirlwind. And said, who is it that darkens darkens counsel? By words without knowledge. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and, and you will make, and you will make me know, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you uh, know understanding, who set the, who set its measurements? Since you know, or stretch, who stretched the line out on it? And what were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? A lot of, uh, a lot of terms uh, Darren's familiar with here. You know, being a surveyor. When the, you know, it says, and when did all that happen? When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. So when God was setting out the foundations and maneuvering things around the, the earth, the angels were there praising God and rejoicing over what God was doing. Okay? Now let's compare with that with Genesis 1. And we all know where that is. It's in the beginning of your... Bible. Genesis chapter 1. Of course, all those preliminary pages are right there, too. Okay, Genesis 1, 1 through 8. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let us... Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. And verse 6 goes on, Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let's separate the waters from the waters. So God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were Above the expanse. The expanse is just up in the heavens, okay? Uh, you might say firmament is in, uh, in some translations. And then verse 8, And God called the expanse heaven, and then there was evening, and there was morning a second day. And you keep going, he gathered the waters below. See, the angels even could have been created on day two, quite frankly. Because, see, they were watching God do the foundations of the earth. So, but... Somewhere in day one, day two, I believe the angels were created. And then what was described in Job, 
He says, where were you when I laid the foundations? Okay, and um, uh, in verse 9, you know, it says, God, let the waters of heaven be gathered into one place, the dry land appear. Um, the angels were witnessing all that. So prior to that, so it's got to be somewhere right in there, day one or two. Yes. And we don't know what the time frame was between creation basically between chapter 2 and chapter 3. We don't know what that time frame is. I suspect it was fairly relatively short for one main reason. They had not, Adam and Eve had not yet begun having children. And all the offspring of Adam and Eve are described as being sinners as part of the curse. And so I think it is a matter of days. And somewhere, I believe, right after creation was complete and the angels were rejoicing, Satan acted up. And we'll get to him in a few weeks. But, uh, yeah. And so he took a group of angels with him, essentially? I mean, is that... Approximately one-third. third of an angel's went with him and they've been regretting it ever since <laughs> but uh, yeah <laughs> okay but yeah I'm, I'm, of the, I'm of the opinion as well that it was an extremely short period of time and we, like I say I think you can count it in days myself just because of a lot well we get into that maybe some other time but uh, Adam's reaction to Eve and everything else, that God's command be fruitful, multiply, da 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 And knowing what was coming on, um, it, there would have been a serious problem if they would have had a child prior to the fall. What do you do with that kid? You know, he's, uh, he would, so, well, that was within day six. He did it all in one day. Yeah. And then, because you figure both man and woman were created on day six. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into chapter two of Genesis, it gives you more information about the creation. That where you get where, you know, Adam was put, went to sleep, took a rib, you know, the whole story. And, and the next thing you know, here comes the proverbial snake in the grass, right? (laughs) Satan. Yeah, yeah. So somewhere, somewhere, like I say, between two and three, he did his thing. Okay, we can move on. Other names for angels. We already saw this one, and this one is important for other studies. They're called sons of God. Hmm. We know that from Job 1 6, but let's look at Luke 3. I want to look at Luke 3 because I want to put that term sons of God in its proper context in terms of understanding what, what we mean by that, okay? Luke 3.38 says, remember, this is, uh, this is Luke's genealogy of Christ, and he starts with Christ and goes all the way back to creation itself. And so in 38 now, we're moving back in on Adam, 
And he goes, and they go, son of, okay, son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Whoa, what do you mean Adam, the son of God? I thought Jesus was the son of God. Well, the term son of God is in reference to he had no human father. He's a direct creation of God, and he's the son of God in that sense. And so it's that same sense that the term sons of God is applied to the angels. They were not procreated. They were directly created by God. So in that sense, they're sons of God. That would include Satan and the demons as well. They are direct creations of God. That's what the term is applied to here. It's, it's not the same as the, the term to Christ. Well, I'm kind of glad we went here then. Yeah, there's... <laughs> I never that. We'll clear this up. Yeah, and, that, and that's the context of the term. And the term is, 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 is telling us that, at, that, that Adam is a direct re- creation of God. That's why he's referred to in that manner in terms of the genealogy. Yeah, and it, it would go it would go just the opposite in uh, the one Matthew does, but Matthew doesn't go as far back as creation. He starts with Abraham. Are we? Uh, have we left the state of confusion? Are we okay? We're Moving here. forward, okay. And then we uh, let's look at this morning stars. Job thirty eight seven morning stars. Well, they sang together. We saw that already. We just saw that. Let's not go back there again. The morning stars sang together That's that they're witnessing creation. Look at Revelation 12. Revelation 12, 4, that angels are referred to there as stars of heaven. Let me pick it up and uh, we'll read 1 through 6. It'll really gross you out. Okay. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. Okay. As an ex-Catholic, I will tell you right now, that is not Mary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's actually a reference to Israel, the nation Israel. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and, and in pain, to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns on his head were, were seven diadems. That's kingly crowns. That is Satan, by the way. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. This is looking back to the fall. That's where we, that's where we say a third of the uh, angels went with him. Um, and with all that, I, yeah, here it is, verse 4. Threw them and threw them to the earth. Let me, let me back up again. We missed the whole verse that we were looking at in the first place. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. Okay? And threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour, devour her child. Now, if that isn't a gross picture. <laughs> but we're talking about Satan. So, you know, he's, he's gross. And uh, so those... That, that third of the angels that fell, they're called here the stars of heaven. And then she gave birth to the son, a male child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And you see, you, we read about that in the Gospels, where he was born. He, 
He was caught up to the throne, and he will one day come back and rule with a rod of iron. And that will be in what we call the millennium, the thousand-year reign. Okay. And just throw another monkey wrench in the machinery. Verse 6, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that she would be nourished for 1,260 days, which is exactly one half of seven years. But we've been talking about it. People have been asking me about it. What I plan to do, once we go back into Ephesians and do the armor of God, my intention is to do a, a series on the prof- prophecy, beginning with most likely the Abrahamic covenant, then the Davidic covenant, the new covenant, and then describe things like the difference between Israel and the church and so forth and so on, and then just move right on through all the way till we get to the new heaven and new earth. And so some of these passages will definitely be discussed. We may even do a a flyover of the book of Revelation. We'll have to see. But anyway, as they say, stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> now, as a matter of fact, we won't turn there because we'll look at this next time. But in Isaiah 14, 12, Satan is called, Satan is called the day star. So stars, you know, and that's what I mean. You, you, in their, the angels are referred to as the host of heaven, but then so are the stars that refer to the host of heaven. And they're given similar names. And thankfully, when the confusion arises, they talk about it doesn't hurt any doctrine or anything like that, so we don't have to worry about it. And like I say, we, we don't need to uh, split the church over things like this. Now, another term, and let's look at Daniel. They're called watchers. Watchers. And I actually kind of like that. That's one of my one of my favorite titles for the angels. If you know, just because it kind of describes what they do. It's not that God needs them out there to see, being omniscient and omnipresent, but 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 then He doesn't need us either, does He? And, but He uses us, and the same thing with His angels. He uses His angels to do things on his behalf. Daniel 4.13 says, I was looking in the vision in my head, and I lay on my bed, and behold, a watcher, a, and here's another term for angel, a holy one descended from heaven. And this is the prescriptive, this is the uh, focus I have on, on our study today, is the holy angels. More, we'll deal with Satan and the rest of them next time. But... Uh, they're watchers. They're looking. And in verse 17, this edict is by the, the resolution of the watchers, and the decision is, in the, is a command of the holy ones in order that the, the living may know that the Most High is, is the powerful ruler over the kingdom of mankind and gives, and gives it to whom he wishes and sets it up over the lowest of men. And uh, again, the watchers, the watchers serving God constantly as we're supposed to do too, right? Verse 23, but in, that, but in that the king saw a watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, chop down, oh, this is an interesting prophecy, and chop down the tree and destroy it, and yet leave the stump with its roots in the earth, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass field, etc., etc. This is one about what was about ready to happen to Nebuchadnezzar 
which we really can't get into. But the, angel, the thing is, angels are also called watchers. We already saw holy ones uh, in, in Daniel 4.13, also referred to that way in Jude 14. For the sake of time, we won't go there either. Now, here's one we're going to go to, and we're in, we're in Daniel anyway. Daniel 10, 13, they're called uh, princes. Daniel 10, 13 says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing against me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Now I've been now I have been left there with now I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Interesting point here. When we get into the demons more, we're going to get into some of this. Because this gets into what Paul is talking about when he leads into the armor of God that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against what? Principalities and powers in the heavenly or high places. The prince of the kingdom of Persia is a demonic angel. Michael, and he was hassling um, this angel that was bringing Daniel the message and holding him up. And Michael, who we know, we're going to look at a little bit later, is an archangel, a warrior angel, specifically like the angel defending Israel. He went over, he went and uh, rousted that demon. It, there is stuff going on up there. <laughs> if we knew, we might be afraid to leave the house. I don't know. But I mean, no, seriously, not us. We're, we're, as Christians, we don't fear stuff like that, Okay. We're not fearful of demons, nor are we demon chasers, okay? <laughs> uh, no, no, we don't worship them, we don't fear them, we just fear the Lord. That means there's more than one angel involved in all this. So, but they're both angels. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's nobody else in, that, in the whole context of Daniel chapter 4, for example, that would, were there, humanly speaking. Yeah, the watcher is more in the context of like God describing Ezekiel as the watchman. You're my prophet, you're my watchman. Yeah, that's what the watchers are watching against, the demons. So, so 10, 20, 20 and 21, again, they're called uh, princes. And I find this interesting. We'll, we'll deal with this more, but we're sitting here, so I'll go after it. In ten twenty one, he says, "Then he said, Do you know why I came to you? But I shall, I shall, re- but but I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia.' So the one that was being held up, that Michael came in and freed him up, he's now going back to fight against the prince of Persia. Like I say, and in the negative sense, I." I hate to even say this, but I'm thoroughly convinced there's a prince of the United States, especially in what I see coming out of our capital. Anyway, in verse 12.1, again, 
this goes well into the end times, and this will be one of those passages that we do prophecy you have to go to, (laughs) where it says, now at that time, Michael, the great prince, Michael, the great prince, stands guard over the sons of your people, will stand, and there will be a time of distress such as never happened (laughs) since there was a nation until that time, and at that time, your people, everyone who was found written in the book, will be rescued. That's obvious reference to the tribulation period, and those that are in the book of life will be rescued through that and taken and saved, basically. We're talking salvation. doesn't mean they'll make it out alive, but it means they will be saved. Because you look forward to that, and I'm talking about getting ahead of myself, the great white throne judgment, it's the judgment of all the ungodly, the unbelievers, and there it says whoever's name is not in the book is being judged, and that's those at the great white throne. Those in the book are making it. Okay? Praise God. If you are a truly born-again believer, your name is in that book. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't care about the social registries that the the people put out here on earth. That's the book. That's yeah. You don't need to be in the blue book. That's the, God's book is the one you want to be in. <laughs> okay, that's the one we want to be in. And in another term, we've already saw it. Hosts, we've seen that. Um, and like I say, that's why I, I knew I wasn't going to get to all these, but I just wanted you to have them um, because I wasn't planning on going back into angels, but maybe I need to. Uh, We may have to do one more week. Um, The elect or chosen angels, 1 Timothy 5.21, Paul refers to them as God's elect or chosen angels. Now, ministering spirits, if you remember from the... Can I go back to the elect? You want to go see that one? Okay, let's go back and look at it. That's, let me read the verse. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his elect angels or chosen, you may have in your, to observe the, in, these instructions with bias, doing nothing in partiality. Yes, I believe what this is teaching us, the, the angels are elect every bit as much as we are elect. I don't see the word changing meaning. It, it's it's the Bible's consistent with itself. And therefore, we look at Ephesians 1, where it says of us, we, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. I believe the same thing is true with the angels. The elect angels were angels that were chosen before the foundation of the world as well, even though just because of the terminology here. Right? And those would be the, the two-thirds that, that stayed with God. Those would be the elect angels. Their situation is just opposite from us in, a, in one sense. Um, they were all there, and a third chose to leave. The unelect angels chose to leave. We, okay, it's like they were born heading saved. I, not really, Anyway, and so now look at us. We are born in sin and need to be redeemed. They were already in a place before God, and then a third of them left. 
You see what I mean? So there's no coming back for them. But all, in, at least there, all the unsaved people out there um, potentially have the option to accept or reject, and because of the depravity of man, will the majority will reject. In Colossians, did that answer your... Okay, Colossians one sixteen. This is another one we'll, we'll be dealing with again, but it's it's good to get familiar with these these terms. I'm almost there. For in him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things having been created through him and for him. Thrones, dominions, rulers or authorities. Again, another reference to angelic beings. And that... <clears throat> is something that, again, it's going to, uh, both in looking at angels and demons, is one of those things that's uh, important to understand. Now, there's a variety of kinds of angels, and I'm having a short debate in my head as to what we do. Let's look at the, the various kinds of angels. We've got, let's start with the cherubim. Okay. <clears throat> now, one thing that we're not going to see is the little little chubby cupids with wings? You're not you're not going to see the little chubby babies with wings flying around. That that they're not in the Bible. <laughs> Cherubim's the closest thing you're going to get. And one thing I would not do, I would not cross one of these angels. <laughs> okay, yeah. I would not make jokes about them. <laughs> these folks have some serious power <laughs> behind them, and thank God they're under God's control. Now, cherubim. They are winged angels who are symbolic guardians of the throne of God. I say symbolic because does God need protection? No. Okay. Um, Let's look at his, well, boy, Ezekiel 10, 1 to 22, and Ezekiel 1, 3 to 28 is a lot of verses. But, um, again, we won't turn there right now, but. It's there. When you want to read about cherubim, there you find them. Okay. Now, replicas of cherubim were placed on each side of the mercy seat with the Ark of the Covenant. You can see that in, in, in the description of building the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, that's something else. Yeah. We'll, we'll, okay. Im- images of cherubim were also made for the curtains and veils of the tabernacle. You can see that in in those Exodus passages. And Solomon included statues and images of them in the inner and outer sanctuaries of the temple. You can see that in 1 Kings. And here's one. God used cherubim to guard the way to the tree of life after driving Adam and Eve out of the garden. That was there. And he stood there with a flaming sword that kind of pointed off into all directions, yeah. like 
you know, you're, you're not getting by. Now, the seraphim, that's another one. Seraphim are six-winged angels, only mentioned by name in Isaiah 6, 1 to 7. Let's look there. That's just because it's such a tremendous passage. I mean, one of the... <clears throat> I think the, uh, the overarching attribute of God is his holiness and I think that's the, that's the attribute that just kind of embellishes all of his attributes and it's really given <clears throat> center stage here in um, <clears throat> in Isaiah 6 where he says well, we'll just read, read the whole thing it says, <clears throat> in the year King Uz- of the excuse <clears throat> me In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. That covering covered his face because unworthy to view God is, is symbolic there. Covered his feet because of the holiness, you know, of God. Wasn't worthy to step foot in there. And obviously with the two he flew. And one called out to another. They weren't singing. One called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called out. These angels are calling out, Holy, 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 back and forth. And from this side, holy, 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 came back the other way. And as they, as they said that, the place shook. I mean, and the, the smoke of like the incense or whatever it was just filled the place. And, <clears throat> and uh, verse 5 is the number one reason you should never, ever, ever believe or buy any of those books by any of those people that says they died and went to heaven. They're all a lie. And I'll, I'll state that on, without equivocation. That is a lie. At the best I can give them is maybe they were hallucinating, but they did not go to heaven. <laughs> okay? That I can guarantee. Isaiah got a vision of heaven. He said, then, then Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, Yahweh of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal on his hand, which he had taken from his altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. You don't come back and hit the road and brag about it and write books. You fall on your face before a holy God and recognize your sinfulness is what you do. You might write about your sinfulness, but you're not going to write about what an ecstatic experience I had. Baloney. (laughs) Baloney. Don't, that's the kind of stuff that pulls people away into the happy world of Christian nonsense. And it's just ridiculous. What does it say? Um, it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. Yeah. Does it say anything about coming back? No. 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 And even the folks that were, you, you look through from Genesis all the way through Revelation, 
the people, those very few that were brought back to life. You notice what they did not talk about? Yeah, where they were. <laughs> where they were. They pretty much remained silent about the whole thing. I know. Anyway. <clears throat> and then you have archangel, which literally means chief angel. And we already saw that in Revelation 12, chief angel. And um, <clears throat> Michael, obviously, is one of those. Um, thrones, dominions, rules. We saw that already in Colossians 1.16. Now, in Revelation 8.2, it says, The seven angels who stood before God. It's very likely that, and I just put it down here, that Gabriel could be one of these seven. Let's look at Luke. Luke chapter 1. Again, here is um, here's Gabriel standing in front of Zacharias. Zacharias, who is to become the father of John the Baptist, who uh, Pastor Will is going to be speaking about a little bit later. Um, and um, he said this, and, and, uh, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands before God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And he, goes, he tells about how he's going to be the father of the forerunner, who will announce the coming of Messiah. And it just, it's, it's tremendous. I mean, out of all the angels, yeah, it'd be cool to be Michael, because Michael one day gets to route Satan right out of heaven. That would be fun. But I kind of wouldn't, I'd like to be Gabriel, man. Gabriel had the inside track on all the information. He was the one that delivered the, uh, like, two couple of major prophecies to Daniel, like the 70 weeks prophecy. He, he spoke to Zacharias. He spoke to Mary. I mean, he had some really great messages to give. And who knows what else? What else? You know, he, he could be one of the unnamed folks, one of the unnamed angels, too, in other parts of Scripture, for all we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's another study, but I don't believe they were angels. I believe they were big, ugly, mean people. Because even after Genesis, and I forget, the, somewhere in Kings, Chronicles, the Nephilim are still spoken of as being on the earth. They were around at that time, but they weren't themselves angels. I'll tell you what, let's look at those when I get into the demons, because I believe there was definite demon activity prior, prior to the, I just got the, the yeah. sign language. <laughs> so uh, this, that, there was a weird, weird, weird situation back in Genesis 6. We'll look at it when we, with the demons. I think our Satan lesson just went to two weeks. (laughs) 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 
No, it's worth looking at. Again, it's not one of those things that, you know, if somebody believes something different, that's fine, you know. But we're, like the timekeeper said, we're out of time. So, does anybody, I'll tell you what, I will, I can use, I can finish this up when we go into the demon, when it introduce it. So, we'll, we'll bring this back. Let's, let's close. Heavenly Father, we, again, Lord, thank you for this time. And, Lord, we thank you that, um, we thank you for that, uh, for the angels, their use. And we especially thank you for the fact that they, they too bring glory to your name. And again, Lord, may we also give glory to your name. And may we, as your human messengers here on earth, deliver that message. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.